Welcome to the Scripture Study Project, a fresh and faithful study of the scriptures that will renew your excitement for your own personal study and help you passionately teach what you're learning to others. We're only laughing because we just recorded that intro like six times. Krista kind of sounds like she's recording a voicemail message. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on. We're grateful you're here listening. Thank you for listening. We're excited to step into part two from last week. Alma, chapter 17 through 26. Part A was all about missionary work. Part two is all about conversion. You just said part A and part two. (laughs) (laughs) That just shows the state of my mind. Woo. Okay, here we go. I'm going to turn the time over to Zach now because I'm hoping that he will um, be more speakable than I (laughs) am. Take it away. Oh, hey guys. Our study tip for today actually comes from a quote that we are going to use as part of our study, but we want to tease a little bit of it here in our study tip. So uh, I'll read just one line from the quote. Crystal will read more of it a little bit later on, but this is Elder Bednar in one of my favorite talks um, by him called Converted Unto the Lord. And in that talk, he says, Knowing that the gospel is true is the essence of a testimony. Consistently being true to the gospel is the essence of conversion. I have come to realize that when we study the gospel and when we teach the gospel, I would guess that nine times out of 10, maybe 99 times out of 100, we study or we teach for testimony. And what I mean by that is we study as if our goal is to acquire knowledge or even to acquire feelings. We want to know something. We want to feel something. We want to understand something. Now, there is nothing wrong, obviously, with a testimony or studying to increase your testimony or teaching to help other people grow their own testimonies. To grow their, your knowledge, right, basically, is right. what you're saying. Yeah. But... There's a second goal of study and teaching that Elder Bednar points to that is conversion. And conversion is different. In fact, this whole episode is all about conversion. And so we will get more into what it is and, and, uh, how to have it happen for you in a bit. But as very one, as one very small idea, if testimony is about what you know or what you feel, conversion is about what you do and who you become. And so as you're studying the scriptures, and especially as you're teaching, you might ask yourself the question, what from what I'm studying um, makes me want to do something? And what do I want to do? And how am I going to do it? Or what from what I'm studying makes me want to change or become different? Or how can I help other people change or become different because of what we're studying? That's teaching for conversion, not just teaching for testimony. And that brings us right into our study for today. We'll be studying, like I said, Alma 17 through 26. Part B. Part two. (laughs) Part B, two. (laughs) I'm not going to laugh this whole episode. I'm going to get serious about things. Um, Missionary work and conversion go hand in hand. We love to see that the way that these chapters weave both of those, obviously both of those things together, which is why we split it into these two parts. So we're going to get started. Zach's going to start us off with kind of the introduction to these chapters and why 
studying conversion is so important for our own testimony and conversion. Last episode, as we looked at these verses, we focused on these sons of Mosiah and what they did to preach and teach the gospel. We even called it a fresh and faithful view of missionary work. There were some points that we taught that hopefully change our perspective on missionary work and and how we can be uh, more involved in sharing the gospel with those that we know and love. This episode is a fresh and faithful perspective of conversion. And to start, there's this story that is, I don't know, one of my favorites. There's a lot of stories that are one of my favorites in the scriptures, but I really like this one. So if you remember last episode, we focused a lot on Ammon and Lamoni. Lamoni is originally called the king of the Lamanites, but what he is is more of kind of a territorial governor. Well, Ammon teaches Lamoni, Lamoni becomes converted, and as Ammon and Lamoni are traveling, we mentioned the story last time, they meet Lamoni's father, who is in fact king of all of the Lamanites. He's mad at Lamoni for spending time with Ammon, so he tells Lamoni to kill Ammon. Lamoni refuses. The king raises his sword to fight Ammon. Ammon blocks him. Then he raises his sword to fight Lamoni, and Ammon blocks him again and smites his arm and knocks the king to the ground. And then the king, as he's laying on the ground, and Ammon is over him with his sword drawn, the king says this. This is chapter 20, verse 23. Now the king, fearing he should lose his life, said, If thou wilt spare me, I will grant unto thee whatsoever thou wilt ask, even to half of the kingdom. I will give you half of my kingdom if you will spare my life. Now here's the cool part. Two chapters later, Aaron, Ammon's brother, teaches this king of the Lamanites. And as he's teaching him, or after he's done teaching him, the king of the Lamanites asks this question. This is 22 verse 15. What shall I do that I may have this eternal life of which thou hast spoken. Yea, what shall I do that I may be born of God, having this wicked spirit rooted out of my breast and receive his spirit, that I may be filled with joy, that I may not be cast off at the last day? Behold, said he, I will give up all that I possess. Yea, I will forsake my kingdom, that I may receive this great joy. He's willing to give up half of his kingdom to save his physical life, and he's willing to give up his entire kingdom to save his spiritual life. That is conversion. And what we want to know in this episode is, how do you get that desire in your heart? Or maybe more importantly, how do you actually do it? How do you become truly converted? And what we've got is three fresh and faithful perspectives, ideas, or insights on conversion that we hope will make a difference for you as you seek to strengthen your own conversion um, and turn more fully to the Lord. Again, from Elder Bednar, the rest of this quote that Zach read a little bit earlier in in our study tip is this, a testimony is spiritual knowledge of truth obtained by the power of the Holy Ghost. Continuing conversion is constant devotion to the revealed truth we have received with a heart that is willing and for righteous reasons. Knowing that the gospel is true is the essence of a testimony. Consistently being true to the gospel is the essence of conversion. We should know the gospel is true and be true to the gospel. You know, we were um, we were looking this up as we read that quote. We were trying to nail down a definition of conversion 
and we looked up the Hebrew and the Greek, um, both of which there's a couple of different words that are translated as converted or to convert. But in almost every situation, it means to turn to or to, to overturn or to turn around. Very similar to the idea of repentance. We turn ourselves to the Lord. If I'm converted, I, I turn myself to the Lord. Well, like we, we mentioned that really maybe in this one case, English is the best translation. Yeah. <laughs> convert. What does it mean to convert something into something else? It means to change and become new. I convert my shed into a man cave. I convert ounces into cups or I don't I don't know my cooking conversions but I change one thing into another thing and that's what converted means it doesn't mean just that I know about the gospel sometimes we use it that way when we say can I'm a convert or I'm have been converted what we mean is I become a member of the church or I was converted at age nine that's when I became a member of the church conversion doesn't mean you're a member of the church conversion doesn't mean that you believe um, even though those things are good and wonderful, conversion means that you have changed or you are changing. In fact, I don't know if there's ever a point when we are fully converted as much as this process where we are continually changing and becoming. And one of the things I love most about this particular story with the anti-Nephi-Lehi's, with these Lamanites that are being converted unto the Lord, is the phrase it uses over and over in the scriptures, is that you see them changing. You see their thoughts changing, then you see their actions changing, you see their hearts changing, um, until at the end of the story, they choose to go and live with the Nephites because they have changed so much. They join themselves with people who they feel closer to or they have closer standards to because they've been converted, they've been changed. And we see in these stories that the true conversion comes as they um, see the Lord. Um, as Lamoni wakes up from his, I don't know, what do you call it? Stupor of coma, sleep? Coma, yeah. How would, conversion coma. For us, so he, he wakes up and he says that he arose, he stretched forth his hand unto the woman and said, Blessed be the name of God and blessed art thou. For as sure as thou livest, behold, I have seen my Redeemer, and he shall come forth and be born of a woman, and he shall redeem all mankind who believe on his name. Um, and then after that, the, another person is filled with joy, and he's filled with joy, and everyone's filled with joy. But what I really, and I think even Elder Bednar in his, his talk is titled Converted Unto the Lord. I think the true essence of conversion, and as the scriptures are teaching us here, is that the true meaning the true essence of conversion really is turning to the Lord, mm -hmm. turning to his gospel and really knowing not just the things of the church or the things of, um, what's well, that quote from Elder Bednar consistently being true to the gospel is the essence of conversion. We should know the gospel is true and be true to the gospel. It's not just what we know. It's our actions, change our life changes our habits change our attitudes change and you see that happen right mm -hmm. here with him but it all happens because as he says he's seen his redeemer so the real question is in your own conversion in our own conversions how are you seeing the lord daily um, have you had an ex enough experiences with him that you want to change that you want to be different and if not 
then you've got the work ahead of you. Remember, this story is a 14-year story. It seems like it happens really fast, but this is a 14-year story. Conversion takes time. And so maybe this this kind of leads us into our next point. Ma'am. Um, that it conversion requires sacrifice. Mm-hmm. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes um, seeking God and seeking His will for you. There's two different accounts of sacrifice in these verses. There's probably more, but two that I really like because I think they illustrate the the range of sacrifice that comes when we become converted or when we're being converted. The first is the famous one. These Lamanites, their desires change so dramatically that because they've been freed from their murders, because they feel released from the guilt of having been this bloodthirsty people, they now desire to sin no more. And so to make that as as permanent and dramatic as possible, they bury their weapons in the earth. We're in chapter 24. And I love what the king of the Lamanites says in these verses. These are some of my favorite verses about conversion. Uh, starting in verse 10. I also thank my God, yea, my great God, that he hath granted unto us that we might repent of those things, and also that he hath forgiven us those our many sins and murders which we have committed, and taken away the guilt from our hearts through the merits of his son. That's conversion. He took away our guilt because of the merits of his son. Now, because we have felt that, verse 11, Behold, my brethren, since it has been all that we could do to repent of our sins and the many murders which we have committed, and to get God to take them away from our hearts, verse 12, now, my best beloved brethren, since God has taken them out of our, has taken away our stains and our swords have become bright, then let us stain our swords no more with the blood of our brethren. And so they desire, they, they decide to bury their swords in the earth for two purposes. One, so they won't take them up again or be tempted again to commit murders or to wage war, but also as a witness to God that they're, they've converted, they're changed. We are a different people than we used to be. And I think in our own conversion, that's that's a hallmark of how we know when we're converted. I think sometimes we get hung up on the idea that in order to repent of a sin, I I have to change or I have to confess that sin. But here I like the example that God has taken away the guilt from their hearts. He's freed them, and because he's freed them, they decide to change. And I think that's a healthy pattern for conversion. We turn to the Lord he then frees us from sin and because of that freeing of sin we decide to make these sometimes dramatic changes in our lives sometimes burying swords or burying habits or getting rid of things that uh, we've clung to for 14 years or however long i think this is an interesting um kind of statement here in alma chapter 23 verse 7 it says they they did lay down their weapons of their rebellion that they did not fight against God hmm. anymore. Isn't that interesting to think those ways that maybe we we fight against God? I know I'm kind of I kind of tend to be a little bit of a what do you want to say? Stubborn, <laughs> rebellious, someone tells feisty. Me. <laughs> hey, I can someone... go on. I've got the list. <laughs> someone tells me not to do something, Zach, <laughs> and I say no. <laughs> huh. Direct quote. Direct quote. <laughs> I really can't help myself sometimes. And you know this how this feels. You have experienced the same thing. You kind of chafe under someone else's. And and this is I'm gonna read another quote here from Elder Bednar. He he says it well, kind of sums up what we're talking about here. 
Um, he says they never did fall away and surrendered the weapons of their rebellion that they did not fight oh against God anymore. So there is that quote we just read. To, to set aside cherished weapons of rebellion, such as selfishness, pride, disobedience, requires more than merely believing and knowing. Conviction, humility, repentance, and submissiveness precede the abandonment of our weapons of rebellion. Oh man, even when I'm comparing it to myself picking my fingers, <laughs> that's usually the one I rebel against. Uh-huh. Um, anyway, but isn't that what it is? Being submissive to God and really thinking of these things, having humility and wanting to turn to him, even when it is not always easy. I love the quote he's got there. Do you and I still possess weapons of rebellion that keep us from becoming converted unto the Lord? I can't become converted with a sword in my hand. There has to be a point where I decide what God wants is more important than what I want. And so I'm going to give up what I want. The second story in here that I really liked is that exact thing. We read it already. The king of the Lamanites says, I'm going to give up my whole kingdom. And he does exactly that. He and those that believe will change their name to the anti-Nephi-Lehi's. They will change their physical location and he'll give up his kingdom. He's no longer king of the Lamanites. He now just lives with the rest of them in a suburb of Zarahemla. Um, and so sometimes what we have to give up in order to be truly converted to the Lord is something that's causing us to rebel against God. And my guess is if you were to pause the podcast right now and write down a list of 10 things that cause you to rebel or cause you to be stubborn, you could come up with a list pretty quickly. The harder list, I think, is if you were to pause right now and make a list of 10 things that aren't necessarily causing you to rebel, but are things, maybe good things even, that like are your kingdom. like your kingdom that are getting in the way of mm-hmm. you turning to the Lord. Because I'm so good at this, I will not be humble enough to accept what God's giving me. Because I've built this kingdom here, can I really be humble enough to turn myself to the Lord? Conversion takes sacrifice. And I was hit pretty hard because the last the last line in that paragraph from Elder Bednar, if so, then we need to repent now. Hmm. If you still have those weapons. Don't delay. I was kind of hit hard with that and thinking, well, if that's not a prophetic statement, then yes, I do need to repent now. <laughs> I have plenty of things to repent so for. So no more finger picking. Yay. Moving on. Um, our third point is this. Conversion is for everyone. I think you had a couple of verses there that you liked a lot for this. So there's there's two verses here that I wanted to read. The first one um, comes after the story of Malo- Maloni. <laughs> Lamoni. Okay. Like I said, I shouldn't be talking tonight. But in Lamoni, chapter 19, verse 36, um, the Lord did begin to pour out his spirit upon them, and we see that his arm is extended to all people who will repent and believe on his name. This idea that conversion is for everyone. It doesn't matter. These stories are also varied. They're all different people, different backgrounds, um, different types of humility, humility levels, I guess you could say. And here we see again at the end in um, Alma 26, verse 37. Now, my brethren, we see that God is mindful of every people, whatsoever land they may be in. Yea, he numbereth his people, and his bowels of mercy are over all the earth. Now, this is my joy and my great thanksgiving, yea, and I will give thanks unto my God forever. So here are these um, witnesses that 
it's for everyone, anyone. I mean, we look at these stories. Who does the story start out with? It starts out with these powerful converts that we we witness their conversion. The the well, and all of whom began as horrible sinners. I think Mormons making a point and fighting against against the church, fighting against yeah. God and His gospel. Almost as if he's saying, "Let me show you." Uh, the two most unlikely groups of people that would come to the Lord and show you how they did it. First, mm. let's take these Nephite, apostate, vilest of sinners and show you how they converted unto the Lord. And then I'm going to do one up on that. I'm going to show you how Lamanites, who have been the pro, or the antagonist for 250 pages in the Book of Mormon, I'm going to show you how they converted to the Lord. Almost as if Mormon's trying to say, if you think you're beyond this, you're not. I just showed you how the two worst people in the Book of Mormon, the two worst groups of people in the Book of Mormon, can be saved by Jesus Christ and can change and become something new. And if they can do it, you can do it too. And maybe you're in the middle where you think, you know, a lot of times we have that thought of like, well, I haven't seen a vision or I haven't had a great conversion experience. But that's a lesson for us too of those, if you're in the middle of, maybe you just have a few small things to lay down your weapons for. And that's okay too. This is for everyone. This is for all of us, no matter what level we're at. I think the story of Abish is a great example of someone who was just a humble servant that the minute that she saw the opportunity to share and run from door to door to spread the gospel and to spread the good news of Jesus Christ, she took advantage of it. By the way, if you want to know where that story is, this is one of the most critical stories and turning points in this story is the story of Abish. You're looking in chapter 19. On one side of chapter 19, you have Lamoni who's just been converted and he's now lying in this conversion coma. And on the other side, you have kind of this gathering uh, mob of angry Lamanites. And Abish is the character in the middle that links everything together. She goes from door to door because it says, knowing that God or that the power of God would be manifest. She knows that there's going to be a miracle that happens. And so she goes from door to door, tells everyone about what's going to happen, gathers them all together. And then when Ammon finally raises Lamoni, they witness it. They hear what Lamoni says. And now we've got hundreds of Lamanites converted there, thousands of Lamanites converted later, seven whole cities of Lamanites. And I think Abish is kind of the crux of all of that. She... This is verse 16. Having been converted unto the Lord for many years is now in a position to be this great, incredible missionary to link up these things that happened. And I love that. I, I mean, her story, wouldn't it be cool to know, know more about her story? But, you know, it says that she, on account of a remarkable vision of her father's, um, here she was um, just a humble believer, ready to spread it around as soon as she possibly could. And she herself was a convert, convert turned missionary, which kind of creates the the best of missionaries that we learn here. And we might think, I mean, I remember as a missionary, it was really cool if you were a convert to the church because you could kind of be like, well, actually, I didn't grow up in the church. I converted on my own. Different. <laughs> you were different and cool. But um, those, those I, that idea that we are all converts. We're all working on this conversion to Jesus Christ and seeking and looking for him. So again, no matter where you're at, conversion is needed. Yeah. Greater and higher learning comes the more converted we become. Okay. 
So to recap our three fresh and faithful, if they are that, um, insights on conversion. Number one, conversion is not testimony. Conversion means consistently turning to God. It means changing yourself into something different or letting God change you into something different. Number two, conversion requires sacrifice. Sometimes you have to bear your weapons and sometimes you have to give up your kingdom. But every time it's going to take the giving up of something in order to get what God's trying to give. And number three, conversion is for everyone. It is for the very vilest of sinners. It is for this uh, bloodthirsty nation of Lamanites. And it's for this humble Lamanitish woman. Conversion is for everyone. Most importantly, conversion is for you. At the end of the story in chapter 26, Ammon, who is glorying in the Lord, you can pick almost any verse in here as highlight worthy. But the one maybe to end this two-part study is this. He starts in verse 26, Behold, my beloved brethren, we came into the wilderness, not with the intent to destroy our brethren, but with the intent that perhaps we might save some few of their souls. When our hearts were depressed and we were about to turn back, behold, the Lord comforted us and said, Go amongst thy brethren the Lamanites, and bear with patience thine afflictions, and I will give unto you success. And then in verse 31, Now behold, we can look forth and see the fruits of our labors. And are they few? I say unto you, Nay, they are many. And yea, we can witness of their sincerity, because of their love towards their brethren, and also towards us. There is great joy to be found in serving the Lord and sharing the gospel. But I don't know if that can happen unless you yourself have truly and consistently turned to the Lord. It's not going to be perfect and it's not going to be um, continual all the time. But I think if we can understand that conversion means change, if we can be specific about what weapons we're going to bury and what kingdoms we're going to give up, and if we can understand that conversion is always for us, I think we can do it. And I think once we're converted, then we can be that powerful force of change for others. And don't forget that the promises made throughout these chapters and the things that these converts experience are always light and joy and peace and happiness, which is what fuels their desire to spread the gospel and to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. And that is available to all of us as we seek him. Thank you for listening to this episode. Hey, we would love to hear from you. We would love to hear your feedback. Um, if there are things that we're doing that work well for you, we'd like to hear that. But we'd also like to hear what maybe isn't working. If you've got some constructive feedback, we're, we're learning and growing at this, and we'd love to be better, so let us know. Uh, maybe most importantly, if you've got questions about anything that we've studied or about anything that we will study or just about life or gospel in general, we would love to start weaving some of those questions into our podcast. And so if you give us some questions, we'll try and find the blocks or the scriptures that answer them. And maybe that can can link you and, and us together a little bit better in our in our study here. So thank you for studying with us. You forgot to add where to find us. Oh, yeah. We have an email, something, something, something. Or <laughs> find us on Instagram, direct message us, comment, whatever you want to do. Um, but we, you can find us at 
the Scripture Study Project. Our email is scripturestudyproject at gmail.com. There you go. We'll see you next episode.